Welcome to the Middle Tech Podcast, this region's leading business podcast, shining a light on technology, entrepreneurship, and the future of business in Kentucky and beyond. Our goal is to advance the ecosystem by bringing attention to the founders, changemakers, innovators, and those supporting them. Middle Tech's content can be found on your favorite podcast streaming app, social channels, and YouTube. We encourage you to follow and participate in the conversation. Let's discuss and build the future. All right, what's going on, everybody? You've got Evan Knowles and Logan Jones here at the Middle Tech Podcast. We just sat down with Patrick Henshaw and talked about Render Capital, who is part of Access Ventures. Uh, and he's working hard, Access Ventures is working hard to bring more capital to this region, just as their name says, they're trying to get more access to capital to people that need it most, entrepreneurs that are either underbanked or have you know just amazing startup ideas that need more money and need more uh, capital to help them make their ideas uh, come to life. And this region needs that uh, desperately. You know, we talked to a lot of startups uh, in this region. That's one of the main things they tell us is we would love there to be more capital. So Patrick has an amazing background. Uh, really impressive. So he's been in the military, he's been deployed, and he's taken that experience and that discipline and that uh, operations background and has applied it to the startup space. And so his path to the startup space is unique. And he talks about that. And he's landed in Louisville, and we're grateful for that. And now he's at Render Capital, as I mentioned. And Rindle Capital, Rindle, wow. Oh. <laughs> we got it. We cut this out. Uh, Render Capital is working really hard, uh, as I mentioned, to help founders. Yeah. Um, and one of the things we mentioned when we were talking to Patrick is kind of drawing similarities between him and Adam Edlin, both of them working in kind of bu- uh, bureaucratic organizations like the government, and then under- getting an understanding of how that actually, uh, how, how to navigate that, and then taking that into the startup world. Uh, so we got to discuss his experience in the military, uh, what his path to the startup, startup space actually looked like, um, the Louisville startup scene, Render Capital and Access Ventures approach and their mission. Uh, and then also what the future of the Louisville startup scene looks like. Um, but before we dive into the conversation with Patrick, we just want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors. Uh, so first, we've got Land Betterment. Uh, so Land Betterment, uh, what they're doing is providing sustainable business solutions, and they're doing that on abandoned strip mines. So they're providing not only a good sustainable solution to repurpose the land of that strip mine, but they're also providing jobs to the communities that lost them. So if you guys would like to learn more about Land Betterment, you can either go and listen to our episode with them, which is episode 97, or you can visit their website, which is landbetterment.com. Awesome. And then we got Brandon Johnson. So if you are starting a company and you need to work with an attorney, which you should, if you're taking it seriously, uh, reach out to Brandon. He's from Kentucky. He's worked with brands like Louisville Slugger, Papa John's, WeatherCheck, many of the top companies in this region, but also the top startups. Uh, He's had some part in. He loves working with small companies, with entrepreneurs and helping them navigate that space. He makes it uh, very uh, unintimidating, which, you know, law is that for a founder, you know, it's really scary and he helps you uh, navigate that. It makes it fun. He's approachable. Uh, and I loved working with him. I worked with him. So if you want to learn more, go to middletechpod.com slash Johnson Law. And I encourage you to schedule some time with him. And before we get started, we just want to tell you guys about a great opportunity from our sponsor, Render Capital. So Render Capital is a Louisville-based investment firm with a shared mission of advancing the startup ecosystem in Kentucky and the Midwest. Are you a startup founder who could use $100,000? If so, Render Capital wants you to apply for their 2021 Render competition. 
The Render Competition invests $100,000 into eight early stage startups each year to help them scale their solution and attract future investment. Your startup should be one of those startups. Anyone is welcome to apply, and it's super easy. Applications are open now, and the deadline to apply is May 6th. Learn more about the Render Competition and apply today at render.capital competition, or check out today's episode description for a direct link. Again, that's render.capital slash competition. All right, we're here with Patrick Henshaw. He's in Louisville. We're in Lexington. We've been trying to catch each other off and on over the past, I'd say, year and a half, maybe a year, and we finally are making it happen. And we're going to make an interview happen while he's at uh, his newly announced uh, company, Access Ventures and Render Capital. So we're going to have a whole conversation about what he's up to. Uh, but before we get into that, any, into any of that, uh, Patrick, thanks for joining us. We appreciate you joining. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Love Absolutely. what you guys are up to, and uh, thanks for having me on. For sure. So let's go over your background. Let's uh, understand you know, where you're from and your education, and then I've got a follow-up question. Yeah, totally. So I'm originally from uh, Houston, Texas, born and raised. Uh, didn't grow up in a fantastic neighborhood um, and knew I didn't necessarily want to live in a huge city because, you know, I say about Louisville and said about some Cincinnati, you can get basically everything within 15 minutes. Uh, and in Houston, it's you can get everything in the world within like an hour, an hour and a half, but it'll take you an hour and a half to get there. So uh, so and, and in my neighborhood, when we were growing up, it was actually kind of a little bit more kosher today, but uh, our neighbors, the one time we moved was because our neighbor's uh, entire backyard was an entire uh, marijuana field. Uh, wow. So that that was a that was a tipping point for my mom that said we probably need to get out of this neighborhood so we can we can do some different things. So uh, ultimately ended up going to to West Point, uh, United States Military Academy, uh, and uh, just loved leadership and engineering, and that was the place to do it. Um, and so grew up and out from there, and uh, now we're at the rest of the story. Cool. How do you think the military? experience that you got you know you're with uh like you said west point and then you with the corps engineer group uh army corps of engineers so how did that you know shape you and your career up to this point yeah it's super interesting because i think the biggest thing that shaped me up to this point was exposure um and just understanding uh different period right I think one of the most unique things uh, about being in the military, especially, you know, my my literal day job was looking for roadside bombs. Like that's what I did every day in Afghanistan, wow. driving three to five miles an hour, you know, looking for roadside bombs, looking for differences in in the road set, looking for differences in people's and villagers patterns. Um, and ultimately, at the end of the day, it was to open up commerce. Right. And, you know, I guess if you draw one thread through my entire career, it's been all about opening up commerce. Uh, we just did it in a different and a unique way back then than, than we do now providing capital. Uh, well, and actually, we had capital back then, too. But that's that's another story. But I think the biggest thing, honestly, uh, was leadership, understanding exposure and perspective uh, and then just understanding people and like getting to understand real motives behind people. And to understand that some people who don't necessarily have as much exposure as much exposure to the world just think differently, and that's okay. 
Um, you just have to understand that. And and I think globally for us as, as humans, we just need to work more towards being exposed more, more cultured, if you want to use that word. Uh, but I think that's the biggest thing, honestly. Yeah, it's uh, it's honestly a really big blessing to have those different perspectives from different areas of the world. And when you bring that back to your, your normal everyday job, it kind of makes things it puts things into perspective for you is, you know, yeah. that's, that's the experience I've had with it, but help us kind of bridge the story from you're in, uh, you're in the military and you're, you're serving over there to getting into the startup community. How does, how does all that transpire? Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. So, you know, I went, uh, went from West Point basically straight into Ranger school and airborne school and did all that kind of fun stuff. Um, and a lot of that was around, you know, me, making it for myself and also showing up to a unit and, um, you know, as a, as a young 20 something, you know, leading troops that have been in the army for 10 or 20 years that, that you got to show up, right? Like literally and physically you have to show up. Um, and so for me, that transition literally was from, you know, Delongoga, Georgia and Florida and the swamps with a ranger tab over to Germany, uh, where within, you know, the first three to six months of boots on the ground in Germany, we were prepping to go to Afghanistan and my guys had just got back, um, from Iraq. So we were the most deployed unit in the entire, we were the most deployed post in the entire army. Um, and typically you're supposed to get, you know, 24 months of turnaround and that's called, uh, um, uh, I don't even know what it's called. It's like reconditioning time, basically like come back, take a break get to know your family again, you know, and then redeploy. Uh, but our teams every year, basically year over year, we had about, you know, eight to 12 months worth of worth of rest time. Um, so it was interesting for me because I went from there to overseas and then got a call from a two-star general on my desktop phone in Afghanistan that said, hey, I want almost like the Uncle Sam poster. I want you to be my executive officer, uh, which, you know, one of my longer term mantras is build a network before you need one. Um, and, and this two-star general had literally found my name from one of my college professors. Um, you know, I had been in the army a couple of years at that point, uh, but he called around and talked to one of my academy professors and said, Hey, if you wanted anybody, and that wasn't the top of the class, I was the top, you know, top ish. Uh, but you know, I definitely was not the brightest kid in, in the bunch, but, you know, I was exposed and I worked hard and uh, and I got things done. And I think that was that really was kind of the, the launching point for me being an entrepreneur, because, you know, openly, I love the army, love the military, love, you know, the, the time that I had there would never change anything. But frankly, I got tired of the bureaucracy. I got tired of not being able to move fast. I had uh, one uh, colonel who's probably not listening to this, but if he is, he'll know who he is from 150 miles away told me that I was too close to a building to blow up a bomb. And I was like, sir, I'm sitting on the bomb. Like the building is not where you think it is, right? Um, so that leads into another mantra, which is empower lower level, lower level leaders. Um, and we have to empower lower level leaders because that's how we're gonna scale and get stuff done, right? So that's ultimately why I took the leap and got out. And you know, I said, thank you you know, for your time, thanks for the service, but I'm going to go build and grow and be, you know, move from the uh, world's largest bureaucracy, arguably, to the world's largest meritocracy, which is entrepreneurship. I love that. Yeah, we've had several guests on that <clears throat> have come from either a government background or some other very bureaucratic organization or institution. And they say once they move over to the entrepreneurship space, like it's just a breath of fresh air, they can move 
execute, work with more people very quickly. So it's interesting you have that same perspective. And uh, how have you kind of used that quickness and that ability to be agile to your advantage uh, within the startup community? What are some things that you've noticed you've been able to do differently? Yeah, so it's it's interesting. I actually, you know, was on the phone with the founder earlier today, and he's doing the exact same thing that I did when I left the bureaucracy. Is customer number one is the bureaucracy <laughs> because you know their walls, right? I used to joke all the time at Centerfuse, right, which is uh, where it most recently came from. We were a hundred and fifteen million dollar fund of funds that was focused on helping corporations innovate. Right. And one of the analogies I used to use is, you know, if there are Star Wars fans out there, you need somebody to help navigate the Death Star. Right. Like, how do you get into these big megaliths? Right. Uh, well, the way that you do that is somebody who knows the internal plans and the internal architecture. Well, both this founder today who uh, we helped walk into a corporate downtown, but also me back in the military is, you know, we knew the corporate. We knew the federal infrastructure. Right. So literally my first customer when I got out. Uh, was was the army was the Corps of Engineers because we I wanted to build something on the inside that I got told by somebody and and not not going above or around ranks but I got told hey you know in the current operating environment this will take 15 years for us to launch internally and so I said thank you very much here's my paperwork I'll see you on the outside uh, and sure enough we had it deployed internally within a year and a half uh, and that ended up in lots of revenue in the public sector for us uh, just because I changed my uniform. Interesting. Adam Edlin, we had him on. He's uh, Edlin Renewables. He's doing massive renewable projects here in Kentucky. Left the government. And just like you said, first thing he did was started working outside of the government, but also collaborating with the government because he knew the inside, knew how bureaucratic it was, knew the way that it worked. And then he was able to use that to build these massive projects with renewables. And he was trying to do that all along within the government and couldn't do it. So that's yeah. that's an interesting dialogue. And I'm sure we're going to continue to hear that over and over as we continue to get you know guests that have that background. Um, you just mentioned that you were with Centrifuge, which is up in, in Cincinnati. Yeah. What have you seen as the differences between Cincinnati and Louisville? Yeah. So I think one of the differences uh, that, that Cincinnati has um, that Louisville is working on is really um, is the corporate integration with the startup and the entrepreneurial and largely the innovation ecosystem. Um, and uh, maybe I'll throw a few hints for the future. Um, you know, render is not just a capital strategy, right? We're a capital first strategy right? Uh, uh, providing access to capital, right? We're, we're you know, a, a regional investment fund underneath Access Ventures. Uh, but a piece of that also really is what's needed in the ecosystem, um, right? And, and, and maybe we'll talk more about this later, but, you know, over the last, you know, couple months, we've already walked uh, founders into, you know, some towers downtown with multiple six-figure contracts, uh, that they would have never had before, right? Because we understand how to navigate that Death Star, right? Um, and and I, I think the interesting thing that we're seeing here in Louisville, just because um, one, people want to help out their own backyard, uh, but two, venture, and thanks to you guys too, uh, venture is almost becoming the soup du jour, right? Like what is this venture thing? You know, six, 10 years ago, the, the whole Shark Tank, like people understand Shark Tank and, like get that and it's more general and commonplace. I mean, we were on the news all over the place this last couple of weeks talking about the render competition because 
you know, people are, you're giving away, you're, you're investing $800,000 in our own backyard. Like that's a lot of money. Uh, yes, it is a lot of money, but we're 10 X behind our peers in, uh, you know, Indiana. Um, and we're about four X behind our peers in Ohio for the number of, you know, dollars and the deals that are actually done, but we're making our way there. And a lot of that frankly is collaboration right? It, it takes collaborative ecosystems, it takes connectivity, and it takes, uh, it takes optimists, frankly. I'm gonna, you'll, you, you guys already know this, but uh, for the listeners out there, I'm an eternal optimist. Like I always think uh, in, the, in the best way and the best light possible and that there's a reason for everything. Uh, but I think we need more collaborators and more uh, optimists out there. Um, and that's really kind of one of the differences in where we want to help plug in as Render um, and as Access Ventures is to level up the optimism and level up the collaboration and um, level up our ability to integrate as an ecosystem together. What's holding these these corporations back from the collaboration? What are they What are they saying that What's the reason they haven't done it already? Yeah, I think uh, you know, unfortunately, it's not it's what they're not saying. Uh, it's where they're spending their money, right? It's uh, you know, they're, they're, they see a company from Kentucky or from Southern Indiana or, you know, from the Midwest. And, you know, you know, you almost have to change your LinkedIn title to say Boston or San Francisco or Austin or wherever. Right. Um, but uh, the big but and the thankful but, you know, um, global conditions uh, uh, considered, COVID has changed a lot of that. Right. Like we've I've been working with some corporate partners for over a year now uh, that I have, I will next Friday see their faces for the first time ever. And they're, they're right there. Our offices, our new places in Nulu, by the way, right above your friends at uh, West six. Oh, very cool. So you, sh you guys should stop by. Um, but they're, they're employees that have never seen their peers. Right. Um, and so some of this is starting to open back up because, you know, I had somebody comment yesterday, we were on a conference call and we're helping them work through some innovation stuff and connect a couple of uh, startups into them. And they're like, wait, you're in Louisville? Like, they, they looked at me like, oh, oh, we thought you were in like Chicago or New York or San Francisco or something. I was like, no, man, I'm nine minutes away from you. Like, <laughs> so, uh, so, so that's a big piece of it, I think, is honestly back to the exposure piece people are now being exposed more even to their own backyard than ever before. Yeah. I think that's been one of the kind of silver linings of the entire pandemic is it's opened up people's uh, minds to be a lot more accepting of saying, okay, innovation can happen anywhere. And we're mm -hmm. a lot more willing to allow for remote work and allow just be more accepting in general of, of things coming out of this area. Um, but I'm curious to what you've seen in terms of the challenges that Louisville faces, aside from the challenges that the pandemic has kind of thrown at it. What are you seeing within the startup community uh, that needs to to have some attention put on it? Yeah, I think it's just more, more, you know, collaboration. Uh, it's more optimism. Um, it's more, you know, I, I say I like the phrase public praise and private admonishment. Right. We, we need to be public about and, you know, celebrate the wins that that are happening. Uh, but we also need to be super candid with some of the players in the ecosystem that are not being helpful, right? That are that are being closed-minded and that are, you know, stealing things. Or, you know, we had a founder the other day that, you know, walked in the front door and they had less than 10% equity in their company and they'd never taken institutional capital. Hmm. And it's like, what are the service providers? What are the advisors? What are the, like- What value what are, are they creating? Exactly, right? What are they doing, right? And the, and the thing, again, this goes back to the exposure pieces. 
we have to have we have to have an abundance mindset right we have to get away from the scarcity mindset right in that you know i'm only going to see so many deals i'm only going to see whatever right last year for the competition we had 200 applicants from five different continents or four different continents excuse me we're, we're already on pace we launched uh seven days ago render.capital competition by the way uh we launched seven days ago we already have 50 applicants from three different continents right like we there are people who are interested in louisville and interested in plugging in with our corporates and interested in getting access to capital we just have to have the abundance mindset to say hey it's not a scarcity complex it's an abundance mindset let's all get in the same room and collaborate and, and talk through stuff together yeah, so that. so you just mentioned right there render capital uh go in more depth of what render capital is and it's underneath as you said access venture so give us the spiel on what those two things are yeah so access ventures at the top level uh is a private operating foundation um, and and their mission our mission at access is focused on uh building very specifically a more inclusive and creative economy um, this is across uh, a bunch of different asset classes uh and and a bunch of different kind of tools in the toolbox figuratively uh to get that to get that work done one of those tools in that toolbox is render capital right uh, we are a regional investment fund of access that's focused very specifically on on deploying capital as, as a strategy um, and investing in the best startups in our region. And frankly, being, you know, one of the, you know, few early stage institutional capital providers in the region. That's not a good thing, by the way. I love competition. I love the free market. Uh, but there hasn't been in the past, um, you know, three to six years, an institutional investment firm that's investing in early stage, right? Now, you've got great work being done by the folks at Elevate, right? They, they'll write everywhere from a 20K check to a 250, 750K check. Um, even some of the founders that we've invested in on the walls behind us have checks from Elevate. Uh, you've got great work being done by Kitha and Kef on the uh, Kentucky uh, Innovation Tax Credits, right, with Kentucky Select, um, you know, that's a seven and a half million dollar vehicle. You've got Strike Fund, which is, you know, uh, a multi-million dollar vehicle. So there, there's work being done, um, but there is still more work to be had in the space to, to, to get and to be, you know, to, to where we want to be. But back to, back to Render. Um, so we are specifically focused um, on building um, that uh, leveraging ecosystem. Um, and strategy number one, today is access to capital and that's what we're focused on we hear so many times from the guests when we ask them you know what's the biggest thing that you wish kentucky or louisville or lexington yep. did better and it's always access to capital and we always yep. get on debates we'll have a venture capitalist on here who might disagree with that they might partly agree with that we've had so many different opinions uh so it's it's good to hear that you, know, you guys are addressing that concern um, yeah and i'll say i'll say too i think the 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 thing that we're doing differently is yes, we're an institutional investment firm. Um, and yes, we have an extremely talented team from Mary Grace to Vanessa to Kalade and, and others. Um, you know, but we're not just traditional institutional venture, right? We have five different, you know, uh, basically products to deploy capital through. We'll write a 250K check into a million dollar round or greater. Uh, equity. We've got, you know, the competition, which is $100,000 on a $2.5 million safe. Um, we've got a venture debt, indie VC style model where, 
you know, uh, ba uh, banked or, or unbanked or underbanked, you know, folks that are doing six or seven figures that can't go walk into a bank because they don't have assets in their company or they don't have inventory, but they need, you know, 250 grand. We'll write a 250 grand check that'll convert into equity in the future if they wanted to. If not, it'll stay as debt. We've got a, you know, a growth loan vehicle that's uh, also a debt instrument that's, you know, a little bit prime plus, but that's for, you know, 35K that allows founders uh, that, again, are underbanked or unbanked to get access to capital. Uh, we're launching some stuff that I can't talk about in the future. Uh, that's that's even, uh, you know, we're, we're frankly granting dollars away. What kind of VC firm grants dollars away, right? Uh, because it's an ecosystem strategy, right? And, and the last thing too is on the, on the kind of capital stack is we will almost automatically match any crowdfunding, crowd equity campaign on WeFunder. A pitch, send us a pitch deck, a rough three to five years, uh, a rough three years of financials. And we have to like the deal. You can't be the poor founder that walked in with only 10% equity. We need to go talk to those uh, people who took that away from you, by the way. But we'll, up to 20K, you know, almost overnight, we'll match that, right? So we're across the capital stack for early stage because we want to unlock other access to capital for early stage founders. Yeah, love that. And something we've been trying to dig into a little bit more uh, with the venture capital guests we have on is uh, diversity inclusion within the venture capital space. Mm -hmm. So we just had a conversation a couple of weeks ago uh, with an organization here in Lexington called Women Innovators, Founders and Leaders. And we got some really, uh, I guess, disturbing statistics around, you know, the amount of women that are actually in venture capital. And we just got to talk to Masha Kusid of Drive Capital in Columbus uh, and got a lot of good insights from her as well on, on that uh, subject. Um, but give us, you know, what what access uh, ventures and, and render capital, what your guys' take on it is and uh, what you guys are trying to do to foster that in, in your ecosystem. Yeah, so there's, uh, first and foremost, there's definitely work that that needs to be done. Um, we are moving in the right direction and the, and the we is, is uh, a global statement, but it's also a, a local statement, um, right? We know and can see the data that just statistically it is harder for certain groups to get access to capital, right? women, people of color, you know, middle America, like you talked about, um, right? And there are systems in place uh, that perpetuate these discrepancies, right? And so we're trying to tear down a bunch of those walls, right? First and foremost, by, you know, being different ourselves, right? Um, the two uh, associates on our team are both females, right? Mary Grace and Vanessa, who we talked about earlier. Um, one of our awesome uh, other investment associates is one of the first 500 uh, VCs uh, as a part of the Black VC movement, Kalade, right? Super crazy smart guy, not from here, right? Uh, Boston University, originally from, uh, from Nigeria, and he's on our team, right? Like that's first and foremost, we literally and physically have to change uh, the face and the people who are making the decisions uh, for capital. Um, but we also need to allow access, right? Like literally allow access. Like the craziest thing back when, uh, you know, I, I was fundraising, it, it, it's, not, it's not that crazy if you look at it from the institutional lens. Oh, you know, we don't wanna be flooded with emails so we require a warm intro, right? Screw that. Like. Patrick at render.capital, send me an email, <laughs> right? Like follow me, uh, DM me on Twitter, find me on LinkedIn. Uh, we have to tear down a bunch of those walls to literally and physically get access to capital. Um, but, you know, we're doing it in our own unique way. Uh, we're again, more to follow later on some of the awesome stuff that we're doing in that space. Uh, but that's also why we have a gamut of capital, 
right? In a gamut of, you know, access to capital. It's not just high, it's not just the venture, it's debt, um, it's convertible debt, right? Um, and some of it's even grants, which we can talk about more later. Yeah, I love uh, how con concrete, concrete uh, of an example that is. It's like expanding access is, I think that's probably the where you start if you're talking about yep. more diversity and more inclusion you just got to make it available to everyone so i love yeah. the the drop in the email there and saying dm you i i think that's exactly yeah. what needs to happen andrew andrew goldner talked about that when we had him on he's from growth x down in, in nashville and he mentioned that you know there's this like aura around venture capitalists that they're these like just really hard to access really um kind of cold people that sit in a room and make these tough decisions and close doors and they just look and appear as these people that don't have, you know, a, an ability to pro approach them. And so that that's definitely a, a good thing to hear because, you know, when I was first getting into the startup space, I did think like these venture capitalists were just these extremely white, wealthy people that I didn't know anything mm -hmm. about. And, and, and it was kind of, you know, frightening. And if I was raising money and that was my first time, uh, in the startup space, like trying to raise money and I hadn't been in it, like I have now, I would have been really intimidating intimidated so that that makes a ton of sense that i mean the first step is like being more welcoming you mentioned putting your email you know on the on the on the website but what else can be done in the venture capital space to, to uh, you know be more approachable yeah i think uh one to be more approachable um is to allow that access uh one of our you know core principles at access ventures is literally be present um, that's one of the things that VCs just in general need to work on, um, is being physically present. Um, right. You know, I was up in Cincinnati last week. I was up in Indy the week before. Um, I rotate personally through, uh, the different co-working spaces, albeit, you know, the route tomorrow all day. Um, you know, and, and COVID obviously safety, safety dependent, we're being cognizant of that, but I, I think literally and physically, you just need to be present at startup right? events I, and things of that nature, right? Yeah. And being on podcasts and being in the media and being exposed. I think a lot of times in this world, uh, you know, folks are just fine with sitting back and, you know, period, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? So, yeah. so be present. I think that's a huge piece to access is be able to be found. Yep. A hundred percent with you on there. All right. Uh, so you're, you're new to access ventures. You're new to render capital. What are some things that you're hoping to accomplish? You know, you've been there, uh, you've probably put some things in place as far as culture goes and as far as the way that you, uh, run organizations, but what are some things you're, you're hoping to accomplish during your time there? Yeah. First and foremost is unlock more capital. Yeah. Right. Uh, and you know, you, I've been talking about that for years in this region. Um, there is a ton of money in our region, right? Um, but the, the but is, um, and it's not for a lack of intelligence, it's a lack of exposure into the space of venture capital, right? People are very comfortable with bourbon. They'll bet on that. People are very comfortable with equine. They will literally bet on that, right? Um, they are not necessarily as comfortable with the venture space, right? You know, and, and that's another thing, too, that, you know, coming from a founder, you know, then a VC's VC at Centerfuse and now a VC, that's something that the founders need to work on, too, right? Is don't walk into the room and make an angel investor, a high net worth individual feel uneducated, right? Make them a part of the mission, right? That's what you want and need them to be. Um, and that's what also we're some of the stuff that we're working on in the future really is kind of this 
you know, render university, call it if you want to, but, you know, um, educating and exposing high net worth individuals and, and, and frankly, everyone, right? Because with now crowdfunding regulation, everyone can be an investor, right? Um, literally into crowdfunding campaigns, which we, which is also, oh, by the way, we won't maybe get into this, but I think that's another thing that needs a change at the SEC level, right? Is um, I, I'm not a libertarian. We don't want to talk about politics, but why does the government telling me that I have to have a certain amount of income to be able to invest my money in a company, 100%. right? Um, yeah. And and oh, by the way, that's why I love Johnny and the WeFunder team is because they're unlocking that, right? Five million dollars now is the is the fundraising gap that just got unlocked that you can crowdfund at fifty cents at a time if you want to, right? Um, so so first and foremost, access to capital, uh, not only locally but also uh, throughout the region. And you can see back there over my shoulder if if you're watching. Uh, one of the first investments we made this year was in uh, was in Care Mobile, right, with uh, Dr. Quan Watson, um, and that was syndicated with a deal out of Cincinnati, right? Uh, that was uh, with the Lightship Scott Lightship team, right? Um, and, and a lot of that, you know, we're about to close on a, a, another deal here regionally that's uh, got a, a West Coast investor, two hundred million dollar fund. Right. We want those types of uh, venture capitalists to be exposed to this region. And oh, by the way, because that also gives our region comfort in, yes, we can do this in Kentucky. Yes, this can happen in southern Indiana. You can get that kind of money, right? Traffic just raised, I think this is public, $40 million. eBlue just raised $11.4 million. Sorry. Oh, by the way, both Louisville companies in the last 60 days. What the heck, right? Um, it's here. We just need to unlock more of it. That's a, You just made a point there that I don't think I've really heard that I really like, and that is getting... Uh, you know, West Coast VCs exposure to what's going on here. I think that's yep. equally as important as like showing, hey, there's companies here to to the people that are, you know, living here. That's kind of the mission Middle Tech was founded on is trying to have our the residents of Kentucky understand there's a lot of exciting stuff going on. But I love the perspective of saying, you know, hey, Silicon Valley investor, there's some badass companies being built right here oh, yes. in middle America. Now I love that. Oh, love yes. That. Um, well, and, and one of the pioneers from that was, you know, Fortunately or unfortunately for us, uh, stole a company away. Mark Kwame up in, in, in dry, at Drive Capital, right? The guys from Beam moved from Louisville, yeah. arguably, if you pin them down to the one reason, it was access to capital, right? And Mark came from the – he was with Sequoia, right, on the West mm -hmm. Coast, right? Yep. They, there literally is now entire funds that's – you know, their thesis is not there, right? <laughs> Meaning not there, right? Not on the West or East Coast, right? Um, and, and the convenience that we have is – Yes, that is our thesis, but it's also my home. <laughs> right? yeah. So uh, this is not just a soup du jour. I actually want uh, to be a part of this growing ecosystem because it matters for me personally and my family too. Yeah, and uh, just real briefly here, you you mentioned Care Mobile. Go over a couple other companies that are in the portfolio that you're you're excited about or that you want to give a shout out to. Yeah, so um, some other awesome companies. Uh, we talked about Care Mobile. Uh, you know, I, I think just as a caveat or as a as a drawing vehicle for the competition last year, four of the winners were from regionally, Southern Indiana and Kentucky area, and four were were not from here, right? From Dallas, Texas, from Detroit, from Vegas, from Atlanta. Um, you know, we had folks from all around the U.S. that moved here. Uh, one of them um, is is Sean Mitra, uh, who I was just chatting with today, uh, talking through advisory board stuff. Uh, but from BrioCare, right? They're a, basically an Alexa-enabled uh, aging care 
uh, platform that allows reminders and interactions and all that kind of fun stuff. Well, you can see there, and I see you guys smiling already on the other side of the screen. It makes perfect sense for Sean to be here, right? We're the aging capital of the world, yeah. right? Um, and and that's a, we're exactly where he should be. You know, he found the money. Uh, he, he's got some access to some of the corporates in town and some of the, you know, facilities in town. Um, and, and that's right kind of where, and in the sweet spots, uh, sweet spot that we want to be. And oh, by the way, just in those two examples, back to the diversity point, you know, uh, a black and brown founder, right. Back to back. Right. Um, so, so those are some, uh, some cool ones. Also, you know, uh, the team from stucco, uh, Brainstem. Ricky Mason is another awesome uh, founder. Uh, we need to get him on. Really... I've been seeing him a lot lately. We had Matt Langan on with Stucco, but I've been seeing Brainstem. Actually, we were at uh, Five Across. He pitched at Five Across. Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Ricky's crushing it. Yeah. Well, and two, this is this is the other interesting thing that's exposing exposing access to capital um, is people's entire mo- business models and mindsets are changing. Right. Ricky's doing remote learning and did remote learning before remote learning was a thing. And yeah. people were like, oh, I can have a former NASA like engineer literally in my household teaching my young kids how cool this stuff is. Like, yeah, sign me up, right? Uh, so those are just a handful of the, of the cool companies that are around. Cool. So you have uh, not been in Louisville as long as many other people that we've had on have been in Louisville. And you mentioned you're an optimist. So you've kind of got this unique perspective, right? What do you see as uh, the future of Louisville? What are some things that need to take place for that future to happen? Yeah, so it's, look, it's, the future is extremely bright. Um, You can see that from things like um, even outside of the venture space, from the soccer stadium, from, you know, Nulu is absolutely, you know, blowing up in a a good way um, with with a critical mass and a density that's happening. Um, We need to build and gain, you know, more momentum, right? We're having more homegrown startups created, you know, more folks are moving to the area and more folks are moving back to the area. And um, I think importantly, we're truly starting to see an ecosystem build, right? Um, we're seeing folks, you know, stories to be told later on uh, Middle Tech, we're seeing folks jump from corporate jobs to start companies, right? You guys know the behavior story, right? Yeah. Let's just be real. Aaron was not an entry level employee at Humana. Like this is not like there was an upward trajectory, right? C-suite. That's a big risk. Yeah. Exactly. He's, he's chief technology officer, right? The chief technology officer, right? Um, so we're seeing that happen more times over. And the other cool part about that again is right, um, look, you're gonna win some, you're gonna lose some, but the eternal optimist in me says too, right? Sometimes when those startups fail and fold. That's exactly what those corporates need to change their mindset, right? And founders need to go back and they need to they need to refill the figurative and literal coffers, right? Maybe they took a hit to their personal bank account and their savings, go refill them back in the corporate landscape and help them innovate, right? And so that's really how and where the thriving ecosystem is going to happen um, and, and will happen from my mind because I've seen it happen in Cincinnati, frankly. Um, and I've seen that by unlocking access to capital unlocking access to customers, i.e. through corporates and unlocking access to talent, which are all like the three pillars uh, of a thriving ecosystem. Well, Patrick, congratulations on the new role. We're excited to watch you grow it and uh, make big waves in the in the Louisville startup scene. Uh, before we let you go here, we, we always like to give our audience ways that they can find and, and learn more about 
uh, our guests and what they're working on. So give a couple plugs of where people can find out about Access Venture, Rindle, Render Capital, and, and Patrick Henshaw. Yeah, totally. So uh, accessventures.org, uh, render.capital. Yes, that is a top-level domain, render.capital. My email's patrick at render.capital. And you can find me on Twitter at leadersoutfront. Uh, leaders you can uh, find me on LinkedIn at uh, slash Patrick Henshaw um, or just go to leadersoutfront.com and that'll point you straight to my uh, LinkedIn. DMs, phone, email, everything's always open. So uh, love feedback, love insight, love connections. Um, and two, just frankly, if you want to know more about the venture capital space, you know, I had four meetings just this week. Uh, about, you know, talking to folks who even in my neighborhood that were like, oh, so that's what you do, right? I'm happy to happy to help folks understand more about the great stuff that we have going on in our backyard. Love it. Love that openness. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us and uh, looking forward to catching up again soon. Same, same. Keep up the great work, guys. Thanks for having me on. <laughs>